Father God, we thank you for that invitation that you give to us in Jesus to come to you and to, to know your love and your forgiveness day by day. We thank you that you're a God who is with us, a God who speaks to us. We pray that you would give us hearts ready to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do have a seat. We've been reading the books of Kings in our evening services, um, which in some ways is a bit like watching the film Titanic. It's really long, and you know it's going to end in disaster. And we're going to get to the disaster next week, um, but hopefully the journey along the way is a little bit more interesting than Titanic, which I never managed to watch to the end of. I don't know about you. Um, but before it gets to the really disastrous part, we're going to meet the, the last of the great kings uh, in Israel and Judah today, King Josiah. And there are two or three things you need to know about him just before we start. Uh, the first is that he came from a terrible family. Um, it should have been a really good family. He came from the, the royal line of, of King David, the house of the kings of Judah. Uh, he's about, I guess, 20 generations after King David, but most of Josiah's ancestors have been pretty terrible. In particular, there's his granddad, who's a guy called Manasseh. We kind of missed him out in our series. He's in chapter 21 of Two Kings. And a summary of Manasseh's life would be that he didn't love God, and he did a load of bad things, basically. Um, then there was Josiah's dad, Manasseh's son, who was called Ammon. And we're told in verses 20 and 21 of the previous chapter, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father had done. That is Josiah's family that he was born into. Um, if you open your Bibles to page, th I think it's 395, um, chapter 22, verse 1, Josiah is eight years old when he becomes king. Just think about that for a moment. He's in year three in modern terms. Um, poor Josiah. And he reigns for 31 years. So he died when he was still very young, not much older than Tom DeVass when he comes to the end of his life and he's killed in battle. He came from a terrible family. Second thing you need to know about Josiah is that he reigned in terrible times. Um, if you remember again, um, long before he came to the throne, Israel's been divided in two. And by this point, the, most of the country, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, have been wiped out by their enemies. Um, they don't exist anymore, effectively. The people have been taken into exile. They will never return. All that's left is what's called the nation of Judah, this very small nation centered on Jerusalem, surrounded by aggressive superpowers. You know, there's Egypt on one side, there's Assyria up in the north, there's Babylon over to the southeast, wherever, whichever way that would be down here. And little Judah was often just left wondering, well, which one of them is going to attack us and conquer us? That's Josiah's background. Terrible family, terrible times. But, verse 2 of chapter 22, we're told he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, we're going to look in a moment at exactly what it was that he did. But first of all, can we just hear that word of encouragement to us this evening? The story of Josiah says to us, your life is not determined by your background. It's always inspiring, isn't it, to, to hear stories of people who, despite coming from, from difficult circumstances of one sort or another, have managed to overcome those and do something really good. Um, I, I, was, um, I heard the story again the other day of uh, the girl Malala. I forget what her surname was, um, but she became very famous just for her first name, really, didn't she? she she's from uh, uh, Pakistan, wasn't it? And she was uh, from, the, from the northwest frontier province, and she was shot in the head by the Taliban when she was 13 or 14 because she'd been championing the rights of girls to have an education. 
and uh, somehow she ended up in the UK, and her life was saved. Last year, apparently in the midst of lockdown, she graduated from Oxford University, and she still to continues to champion those rights. I mean, it's quite an inspiring story, isn't it, of someone whose background was in uh, a terrible place in many ways. Um, I'd like to give the example of Marcus Rashford, who, who's talked about the poverty he grew up in. It's, for a Man United fan, it's not really good to talk about any United footballers at the moment, is it? But nevertheless, it's another example, isn't it, of someone who he's talked about the poverty that he grew up with, but has wanted to turn that into something very positive in what he's done. Well, Josiah was not poor, but the state of his family, bless you, and his nation, did not bode well for his life. Um, and yet, at the end of chapter 23, we're told that there was never a king who turned to the Lord like he did, with all his heart and his soul and his strength. And so I just want to say to us as we start this evening, thinking about Josiah, there's a message for us that God can enable us to love him and to live for him, whatever our circumstances. Maybe it sometimes feels to you as though you're living in terrible times, you know, work is just rubbish, or school is rubbish, or whatever it is, that's not good. It feels hard to live for Jesus. Maybe people mock you, or you feel that you're in trouble. Maybe you find difficulties in your own family background. Um, I can't imagine that any of our relatives did any of the kinds of things that Josiah's dad and granddad did, thankfully. But nevertheless, the same God who was at work in Josiah's life is at work in our lives today. Same God. So we're going to hear his story now. Uh, Neve and Pippa are going to come and read to us. I've got a question for you as they read chapter 22. And um, some of you are going to be thinking, well, I'm glad I didn't get that one this evening because there are many names that we have not heard before in this chapter. But as you're listening to this and following it, I'll ask yourself, what is the, the key thing that is different about Josiah? What is the thing here in this passage that sets him apart? Over to the two of you. Thank you. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. His mother's name was Jediah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shapam, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshullam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest and make him get ready the money that has been bought into the temple of the Lord which the doorkeepers have collected from the people make them entrust it to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple and make these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord the carpenters the builders and the masons also make them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple but they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest in their dealings. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported him. Reported to him. <laughs> Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and his supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam son of Shaphan, Akbor son of 
Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant, go and inquire to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in the book that has been what, what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Hilkiah the priest, Ahakim, Akbor, Shaphan and Isaiah went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikva, the son of Harhaz, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. She said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who has sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people, according to everything written in the book of the king of Judah. Written in the book the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all the idols their hands have made. My, my anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the word you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a, they would become a curse and be, be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. Brilliant. Thank you, girls, very much indeed. Can I say keep that open in front of you for the next few minutes? It'll be really useful. What is it? What's, what's different about Josiah? What sets him apart from other people in that passage? What do you reckon? Isn't it that he was responsive to the words that God had said? Have you noticed there towards the end of the passage... Uh, that it says, the Lord says to him, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken, there in verse 19. What does Josiah do when he hears these words that God has said? He tears his robes. He takes it very seriously, doesn't he? And so the Lord's response to him is to honor that reaction that he gives. That is what sets Josiah apart. And if there's one key thing for us to take away from the story of Josiah this evening in 2 Kings 22, and it goes on into chapter 23, which we haven't actually heard read, it's the challenge to be people with soft hearts when God's word is spoken. So how are we doing with that? How are you at having soft hearts towards God? Let's just think about the story for a moment, and in particular, see the difference that Josiah's attitude makes. Um, even before the book is discovered, and it's a bit kind of, um, it's a sort of archaeological, imagining um, Indiana Jones or someone, it's this dusty old book, or I'm guessing it was a scroll, you know, probably in a trunk or something there, which they discover in the temple. But even before they find this text, we get this introduction to Josiah's reign in, in verses 3 to 7, where he's giving the instructions for the use of funds to work on the temple in Jerusalem for carpenters and builders and stonemasons who are repairing the temple. It's more than just a tidy up. I know Tom and Rob spent the day in the 
vestry, and it's amazing what they've done up in the cupboard above the vestry this week. I have to tell you, those of you who've seen that before, you need to have a look. It's more than that. It's more than just a bit of a reordering, you know, taking out the pews and putting in a new sound system. He was clearing out all the stuff which should not have been in the temple to make it ready for worship again. And we know much more about it than we can read here because this story is told in more detail in the book of 2 Chronicles. Basically, for half a century or so, Josiah's dad and his granddad have been setting up idols in the temple of the Lord for the people to worship other gods. In fact, his granddad sacrificed one of his sons in the temple. Terrible thing. Sickening passage. And it rightly arouses God's anger. The first sign we see that Josiah is going to be different is that he's doing something to sort this out. He's saying by his actions, I am going to worship the Lord here. But there's more. There's all these people with difficult-to-pronounce names. Uh, First of all, there's Hilkiah, who is the high priest. And somewhere in the temple, he finds this old book, this old scroll, verse 9. Almost certainly, it's what we would now call the book of Deuteronomy, or at least part of the book of Deuteronomy. A book that was written to, to remind God's people what God has done for them, but also of the agreement that they've made with God with all the blessings that come with it, but also all the consequences if they don't continue to follow the Lord. There is no doubt that at this point in Israel, Judah's history, they have not been following what they had agreed all those centuries before. So Hilkiah gives the book to Shaphan, the king's secretary. He brings it to the king and reads to the king from it, and Josiah hears it, and we're told in verse 11, when he hears the words of the book of the law, he tears his robes, And he gives these orders, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for all the people about what is written in this book. And he says, great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. Now you might ask, how is this possible? How has it come to this? How is it in the nation of God's people that the people, that the king of the line of David, none of them have read this stuff before? How has it happened that they they don't even know what the Bible says that they've been given? But that's how bad it has got in Israel and Judah. That's how far the people have drifted from the ways of the Lord. Just in passing, there's a sobering warning for, for all Christians, I think, now, isn't there? That we should never just assume that everything will be all right, that this kind of thing could never happen to us. And people said the Roman Empire was indestructible, didn't they? only takes one generation. The ever-present danger in the church is that, you know, one generation celebrates and preaches the gospel. The next generation just kind of assumes they know what it is. The third generation have never been told it. And we always need to remember that. But Josiah is different, isn't he? He hears what God has said, and he's responsive to it. Sometimes the Bible talks about people whose hearts are hard, doesn't it? Who who would you say is the most famous character in the Bible whose heart is hard? Who springs to mind? Anybody? I'm thinking Pharaoh. Yeah, Pharaoh in in Egypt. There there are probably others too. And all those passages where, you know, Moses is going to him and, and saying, the Lord says, let my people go. And we keep being told again and again, don't we? Pharaoh's heart was hard. It's like the words of the Lord just bounce off him and make no difference to him whatsoever. I'm sure there are others too. He's the one I think of. But Josiah's heart is soft towards God's word. It shapes him. He hears what God has said. And, well, he does several things. First of all, he repents, doesn't he? 
That's what tearing your clothes is a sign of. He hears what God has said. He knows that he and the people have failed and there's trouble. He doesn't argue. He doesn't try and defend them. He, he tears his robes. He's grieved by what is wrong. And he wants to show clearly that he turns away from it and he humbles himself. Again, good reminder for us. Is, is that what we do when we, when we come across something that God says in his word, which perhaps we don't like? Something which maybe we, we find difficult uh, or maybe we even disagree with. Something which perhaps challenges us in the way that we live. When that happens, are our hearts hard and defensive or are they soft and ready to repent? That's the first thing he does. Um, the second thing he does is he actually makes changes. Um, we don't have time to read chapter 23. A summary would be, it's a detailed description of how King Josiah goes around the temple setting everything right and making it ready for worshipping the Lord. Not only that, he, he travels around the whole of Judah and even into Israel, getting rid of all the shrines to other gods and consecrating everything to the Lord once again. Um, in the book of James in the New Testament, um, which we read last year or the year before, it's probably two years ago now, isn't it? But you may remember, James says in chapter 1, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And that's what Josiah does, isn't it? He doesn't just hear it, he does it. It's a really good point. Some people are hard-hearted like Pharaoh. Some people seem to be listening to what God says, but actually when push comes to shove, it doesn't make any difference in their lives. But some people are soft-hearted and they act on what they've heard. So he, he repents, he acts, and thirdly, he worships the Lord. Again, chapter 23, by the time we get to verse 21, we didn't read this far, he's organizing a great Passover feast. He's getting the whole country to celebrate the Passover and to consecrate themselves towards God. So if you want a model for a soft-hearted believer, look no further than Josiah. He hears what God says in his word. He listens, he responds, he repents, he acts on it. He worships God. If you want to know how to live as a Christian, follow that example and you won't go far wrong. One more thing, briefly, before I finish there about Josiah, which I think is worth us seeing here. He was a good king. He's one of the heroes of the Old Testament. He is worth celebrating. But Josiah cannot save the nation. And here's where the other important character in the story comes in, this woman called Huldah, who is a prophet. She is the person through whom the Lord is speaking to his people in these times, the one to whom he revealed his word. And after Josiah's heard from the book, that's when he collects all those people with difficult names in one verse together and sends them off to inquire of this lady who's a prophet what the Lord has to say to them in the light of the fact that they failed to keep God's word. And in her reply, I don't know if you spotted it, there were, there were two parts to what she says. First of all, verses 16 and 17, the Lord says through her, I'm going to bring disaster on this place. There's going to be justice because they've forsaken me. Because they've run off with all these other gods. It is going to happen as I warned it would happen through Moses. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. I'm, I'm not going to labor that point because we've looked at it a couple of times in the last two or three weeks. That God always keeps his word. He's always faithful. And sometimes that can seem quite hard, but actually thank, thank God that he does. 
It means he's dependable. And it means that all his promises are ones we can trust in. That's the first part of Hulda's message. But the second part is that bit for Josiah himself. And the Lord says, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I've spoken against this place, because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I've heard you, declares the Lord. You will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see the disaster that I'm bringing on this place. There's a real kindness of the Lord towards his faithful servant here, isn't there? Even in the midst of the pretty dire news for the whole nation. And if you do read on in chapter 23, you'll see that by verse 30, Josiah has indeed died in battle. A young man, just as God has said, he doesn't experience the coming catastrophe, which, spoiler alert, we'll get to next week. And all of this means there's a second way that Josiah is a great example to us as I finish. The first is simply that his heart is soft and responsive to what God says. The second thing that Josiah teaches us is just live by God's word even when it seems hopeless. Now, realistically, what would you do if you were in Josiah's situation? You've heard what God has said. You're repentant. But he's also said, now, look, there's no avoiding it. There is disaster coming on this nation. It's going to happen. His justice is coming. There's nothing you can do to change that. Would you think, honestly, well, what's the point now? Why should I bother if I can't change anything? I think I would be tempted, if I'm honest. But not Josiah. He doesn't think like that, does he? He's just obedient. He's faithful. He carries on in all that stuff in chapter 23, clearing out the temple, getting rid of the places where they've made human sacrifices, all the shrines, reinstating the worship of the Lord. Um, He's been told it's not going to change the eventual outcome, but he still does it. Why? Well, he didn't do what the book of the law said because he was under any illusions that he could change the future. Hulder made that very clear. It seems he just did it because it was the right thing to do. And he didn't worry about the outcome. That's God's problem, isn't it? not his problem. Maybe he can't change what will happen in the end, but maybe he can change a small part of what happens in the short term. Okay, he says, I will do that. I'll just do what I can. Well, maybe you sometimes look around and you think the world's a mess. It's hard not to do that, isn't it? Maybe you just look around and think the church is a mess Um, in this country. Maybe you sometimes feel like a lone Christian voice Uh, against a a sea of of rejecting the Lord. Well, you probably can't change the world. You know, we're often told, aren't we, by famous people who've achieved great things, I want everyone to believe that they can change the world. In one sense, that's a great message. In another sense, we kind of want to say, well, most of us won't end up changing the the fate of, of nations, of the whole world. But we can be more like Josiah. We can do what is right. Tomorrow, you might meet someone who needs a bit of help a bit of encouragement and support, and you can give them that. And we can do the right things, can't we, in our own families, with our finances, in our relationships. We can listen to what God has said and be soft-hearted. Do the right thing and leave the rest to him. Amen.